0: Hello and welcome to another audio version of Burnt Toast. This is a newsletter where we explore questions and some answers about fat phobia, diet culture, parenting, and health. I am Virginia Sol Smith. I'm a journalist who covers weight stigma and diet culture. I'm the author of The Eating Instinct and the forthcoming Fat Kid Phobia. And today I'm really pleased to be chatting with Anna Letts. Who is a dietitian who specializes in eating disorders and family feeding in Raleigh, North Carolina? And Anna also blogs at Sunny Side Up Nutrition and co-hosts the Sunny Side Up Nutrition podcast with Elizabeth Davenport and Anna McKay. Welcome, Anna. It's so good to have you here.
1: I'm so glad to be talking with you today. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, so I am bringing you on today to talk about growth charts because this is a topic I get a lot of questions about, and it can be Both, you know, all spectrum, the whole spectrum of growth charts, you know, I hear from parents of kids who are low on the growth chart and are getting pressure to that we need to move them up higher. And then, of course, I hear from lots of parents whose kids are in the 90, 95th percentile and are being told this is a huge problem. And I do think there's a weird mindset of like us, both from parents and pediatricians, that somehow our goal is to get everyone into the 50th percentile. And that that's a pretty big misconception about how growth charts, you know, what they do and how they're supposed to work. So yeah, why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are growth charts supposed to do and what are some of these misconceptions that you see coming up about them?
1: Well, I think the the way I like to f- explain growth charts is, um, you know, it's it's data pulled from thousands and thousands and thousands of children and it's put into a um a chart that we can read, like a visual representation. And and then each time your child goes to their doctor, their well child visit, they're they're plotted on this chart, right? And so to kind of start off, I like to give the example of, you know, you take your eight year old to the doctor, they're plotted their weight for height, uh, excuse me, weight for age, let's say is 25th percentile. And all that means is if you had one hundred eight year olds in a room together seventy five of them would weigh more than that child, and twenty five of them would weigh less right so it's it's putting them um on on a a bell shaped curve basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at that moment and what we know is over time, most children follow their own curve, so for example, this child. Most likely throughout their kind of um, growth pattern from age two to 20 will most likely fall somewhere along this 25th percentile. Now there's exceptions to that and we can get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're not trying to do kind of, I think you hit the nail on the head that um, the growth charts do not mean that we're all supposed to be at the 50th percentile. All it is, is saying, looking at a population of kids, where does your child fall? And it's just kind of information.
0: And so just breaking it down like that, it makes me realize that it also really only tells you this one data point about your kid. And I think often this, we give this data point a huge amount of weight, right? I mean, we think of it as like, this matters, this says whether they're healthy or not healthy, but the way you're explaining it, it's kind of got nothing to do with that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's going to depend on, um, are they in the middle of a growth spurt or not? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is that moment that you happen to take them to their well-child visit? Or did they just have a stomach bug for the last two weeks and they've lost some weight that they're going to kind of regain pretty easily in the next month or so? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that plot point is going to look really different than if you had taken them to their well-child visit a month from now.
0: Right. So
1: it's just, you know, I really like to help people see it as it's it's information that we can interpret. I think there is some value in it, but I think sometimes we misinterpret it and we put too much value on it.
0: Yes. And you and I have talked before too, about the way the growth charts were constructed. There's some kind of key flaws, right? I mean, in terms of the populations that they're based on, they don't necessarily represent kids today that well.
1: Right. So the, you know, at this point, the the CDC growth charts that we all are using, um, came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. And so now they're 21 years old yes. and they were based on data that, um, you know, was collected before that clearly. Right, right. And so, you know, I'm not sure what the plans are for making new growth, um, charts, but just kind of having that information, I think is important, um, yes. that, that it's based on, um. And they are really big sample sizes. Mm-hmm. So that's a positive thing, but it's, it's, you know, um, children from that time period, um, across the whole United States. But again, if we're taking one child and we're comparing it to a huge population, again, it's just information. Right. And so then if you're thinking about a very specific demographic, it may not make sense to compare this Child in a specific demographic to the whole United right, States right. population.
0: Right, right. I know I, when I looked it up, I saw that, you know, most of the data that went into it was collected somewhere between the 1960s and the 1990s. And it was right. predominantly white kids that they were in their samples at that point. So again, this is going to be very not reflective of what lots right. of kids today. Right. Right. Um,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, you know, let's talk a little more about when kids fall off their curve or jump up their curve you know all the sort of different negative ways that it gets <laughs> talked about um and you know you mentioned something like a stomach bug it should not be cause for alarm um puberty is another time right where kids often appear to be losing their curve or their trajectory in some way so yeah talk a little bit right. about why that's also not a time to panic
1: so, you know, right around puberty, the year, a few years before, the few, few years after, there's for girls and boys, a jump in height and a jump in weight. More, the, the rate of height gain and the rate of weight gain is higher. Mm-hmm. But again, these growth curves are all based on averages. So if you have a child that goes through puberty earlier than average, their, their, um, you know, increase in um, rate of weight gain and increase in rate of height gain is going to be earlier. So it's going to look like on their curve that they've gone, you know, they've gone veered above their growth curve mm-hmm. and same. If you have a child that has a later onset of puberty,
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: going to look like they start to fall off their curve because they're not gaining in height or weight at that same um rapid pace that this kind of average, you know um visual representation kind of shows And so, but what happens is usually it kind of, after puberty, after those several years, the child kind of goes back to where they were. And again, that's typically, every child is different.
0: Right. Of course. But often what happens is around, you know, I hear from lots of parents and I'm sure you do too, that around age 10 is when the pediatrician says, well, let's think about a diet or let's think about, you know, like we're concerned about this big jump they've made. And it's sounding like what you're saying is, you know, maybe like, a diets for kids are always a terrible idea. And B, like right. this may not be a any kind of problem. This may just be where they are.
1: Just maybe where that where they are. And, you know, with a 10 year old, you might not know that this child is going through an earlier puberty, right, right? right? It just might be this kind of jump, quote unquote, jump in their growth curve. That's the first indication that they might be going through an earlier puberty. That's not that's not at all that Abnormally early, just an right. earlier than average. Okay, right. And so, it, yes, it's just, you know, we've all, you know, need to kind of take a deep breath and trust that the body knows what it's doing. And, you know, it's growth curves, I think are, I, I, I like using them because I think they can give us some information but I don't think we need to kind of hold them up as like the be all end all.
0: Right. That makes sense. And I'm also thinking about right now, you know, I had a question from a reader saying her kid had always been in the 60 to 70th percentiles. And when they've just gone in for their checkup now, post pandemic, he's jumped up to the 80th percentile. I think this was a six year old um, and the pediatrician was immediately very alarmed about this and immediately jumped to you know, it's all the junk food. It's the way people, you know, it's the pandemic and the way there's so much snacking and kind of went to this whole place with it. That was like, well, this feels like several leaps. <laughs> um Yeah. So right, right. yeah. What are you hearing right now in terms of how people's fear about the quote pandemic weight gain is fueling yeah. this?
1: Well, I think it's, I feel like it's putting kind of blinders on us all of really trying to talk about what's important.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, you know, I think people's weight changed during the pandemic. Um first of all, you know, I've, you and I have talked about this. Kids' weights were supposed to change. Right. So first of all, yay. Um but it's also, you know, there there you know, our children and adults whose weight went up maybe more than quote unquote expected. Um but I don't think that's the conversation that needs to be happening. We need to look at how are how are we all doing with our mental health? How are mm-hmm. we doing with taking care of our bodies? And, um, I would expect for people's weight to change in a year that um our schedules change so much, yeah. and so what I worry about is this hyper focus on this change in percentile over the last year is keeping us from having the conversations that we need to be having having about how the pandemic has affected all of our mental health and well being yeah,
0: absolutely, and that this may be a symptom of something going on with your kid, but The solution is not cut out snack foods. Like that's not going to deal with the underlying stuff.
1: Exactly. And that's how I would like to think about it is it's, it's this information from a growth curve is some information. It's like a little flashing yellow light of like mm. something might be going on. Let's be curious about it. It could be an indicator of something else, mm-hmm. but we're not only trying to just turn off that light and then everything will be okay. It's just, it's
0: like literally like if your you know, check engine light comes on you're like, I will be putting duct tape over that. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. That doesn't solve it. If yeah. your engine needs checking. Yeah. That's something exactly. else. Exactly, Yeah. I'm interested too how often I hear that the, the higher spots on the growth curve immediately translate to a conversation about food. You know, this actually happened with my younger daughter who's always been on the higher end of the growth curves when she was around, I don't know, 18 months or so. Um, my husband took her in and it wasn't our usual pediatrician and he saw her, I think at that point, she was 90th percentile or wherever she was. And immediately the pediatrician looked at her spot on the growth chart and turned to my husband and said, so is she eating a lot of white foods? probably a good diet and it's 18 months old Virginia (laughs) goodness gracious (laughs) I knew I knew you'd love that Um, and also by the way at that point she was like a very eclectic eater and like my other child who's in the small body is like the quote white food kid in our house and again this is not to shame white foods they're great they're part of our children's diet but it was just it was so stark to me that he immediately saw her body size and made this assumption without asking questions without kind of gathering more information and you know it was a baseless assumption yeah it was right. so i think naming that as what it is which is fat phobia it's really important
1: it is and you know i think it's super interesting to look at um there's research that shows that children in larger bodies do not eat more than children in smaller bodies.
0: Ooh, I'm going to need a link from you. On yes, this. yes, I'll send it to you. Thank you. And so,
1: so this assumption that you're saying that okay, someone's in a larger body, the pediatrician then feels like they need to figure out if they're you know figure out in what way they're eating too much, quote unquote. Right. It's not even based on any fact that children in larger bodies are eating more. So it's amazing. just, it's just amazing that that's yeah. exactly where we all go to. And that's, you know, to be, you know, realistic, unfortunately, that's how pediatricians are being trained right now. Mm-hmm. So our, their whole training needs to be adjusted.
0: Yes. Yes, it really does. Um yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about, you know, I'm going to link in the show notes to, or in this transcript, to the letter that you've put together that parents can take into their pediatricians. Um, But talk a little bit about, you know, how can parents take the focus off weight in these appointments, you know, what are some strategies for navigating that? Great.
1: Well, if, if you've, I really like to encourage parents, if they feel like it's possible to ask their pediatrician not to discuss weight in front of their children, Mm -hmm. you know, these concepts are super abstract. They're confusing even for adults. Mm -hmm. So if you have these two adults, the doctor and the parent, you know, sitting there looking over a chart, saying, "This is too big, this is too little, what's going on? Is your child eating too many white foods? It can be super confusing and scary to a child,
0: yeah,
1: not to mention, of course, where the whole message is there's something wrong with this child that the doctor is so worried about, um you know that the parent needs to figure out how to fix it, yes, and so um you know we've written there's the letter that I wrote with Katcha Rawell on our um, website that you can email that to a doctor. You can print it out and hand it. Um, what I've done with my children is I, I said it verbally when the children were younger. And then before I take them in to their well child visit, I, I send a quick message through the, the patient portal. Mm-hmm. And I just say, as a reminder, please do not discuss, wait in front of my children. If you have any concerns, feel free to print out the growth chart and we can talk about it privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm always, I'm still amazed that when that conversation is taken out of the visit, so much more important stuff can be discussed.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah. you can actually talk about things like mental health and these other, exactly. other
1: factors. Exactly. Yeah,
0: no, I think that's great for someone who has, you know, is finding themselves like maybe they haven't, you know, haven't had a chance to do that or the message didn't get through, which can also happen. If it comes up anyway, are there, you know, is there language you like to use to help change the conversation to kind of shut it down? Like, w- what do I say in the moment if it's coming up in front of my kid?
1: That's a great question. I think I would say um that is not something I'm concerned about. We can talk about it later if you'd like. Great. Um, I'd say something like that, or I would say I'm not concerned about um, how my child is growing. Let's move on to something else. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I do want to acknowledge, I have a lot of privileges that I feel like I can say that. I mean, my doctor knows what I do for a living. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons that I, I feel comfortable doing that and it might be harder for other people. Yeah. Um, that's why one reason we wrote that letter is hopefully to make it a little easier. You can hand it to someone. The research is all laid out. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, any way, I think any way you can steer the conversation to something else is yeah, helpful. And if the doc- the doctor's not open to it, is it a possibility to find a different doctor? Again, mm-hmm. that might not be a possibility, but mm-hmm. to consider mm-hmm.
0: it. And if they go the food route of this, you know, white foods or starting to ask, you know, about I, the mom who wrote into me was saying the doctor's immediate comment was no more juice boxes without really asking <laughs> how often Gosh. they even have juice boxes, you know, again, of course you as a dietitian can navigate that really easily, but you know, what, what are some talking points we can use? How do we sort of push back? Because I think the food shaming people do feel very, it's hard. You feel very attacked. You know, you feel very much like, oh God, I've been caught out doing this bad thing. Right. Um, and you know, you have to, it's hard in the moment to remember that there are no good foods and bad foods. And, you know, so how do I communicate that to a doctor?
1: That's a great question. Cause I do, I still get that get all the different questions about foods. They have like a list, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, coming up with a line that feels true to you ahead of time. So could it be, I'm, I'm not concerned about my child's eating,
0: Mm -hmm. um, might
1: be something. Um, it could be, um, um, if you want to talk more specifics about my child's food, we'll need to talk about it later or on email. Um, but really, really kind of not getting into the nitty gritty of, mm-hmm. uh, all those questions about whats I, I remember from, I just went last week, you know, it's the, it's the juice. It's the, how, how many fruits and vegetables are they mm-hmm. eating? Are they drinking milk? And for a new, more sensitive child, they're going to start to latch on to these messages.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, get really worried. Yeah. I've heard that. the other kids, then come home and say like, mommy, the juice is bad. Or, you know, I mean, exactly. Why of, are
1: you giving me that? I don't understand. Yeah, or conflicting. Um, I don't eat enough vegetables. Well, you know what I'm, you know, for a sensitive kid who maybe is a quote, pickier eater right. and then they they hear the doctor saying these things it can feel super scary. Um, If you are worried about your child's eating, then maybe you say, is there a referral you could give me? Mm-hmm. Um, Is this a conversation we could have later? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's appropriate to have it when you're, mm-hmm. Four, five, eight, nine year old is sitting there.
0: One line I started to use, and I kind of figured this out when my older daughter was going through her, you know, early feeding challenges. Um, but as we were getting to sort of firmer ground with that, I started to say she's really good at listening to her body. And that's oh. how I answer the nutrition questions. I do it for my younger daughter too, because I feel like that way, like, I'm not even getting into it with you about fruits and vegetables or juice or anything. It. I'm just, she's it. really good at listening to her body. And then whatever food shaming the doctor said, at least my child has heard me affirming that they trust their bodies.
1: And I love that. Yeah. So that's,
0: that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been helpful. I, I see the doctors looking puzzled, um, but that's a little bit enjoyable to me. Right. So. <laughs>
1: maybe you're planting a seed yes yes. we'll carry on
0: we can hope we can hope um this is great well thank you so much Anna this is a great conversation I think there's lots of really helpful stuff in here for readers I will link to everything we've talked about and just um yeah tell people where they can find more of you and your work
1: Um, So you could check us out at sunnysideupnutrition.com. That's where um, we write about simple cooking and um, family feeding, and then also the Sunnyside Up Nutrition podcast. Um, So I really appreciate having this conversation. You know, I love talking about growth charts.
0: (laughs) It is a weirdly very fun topic. So thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you.